but continue to lift our voices to the Lord today. Holy, holy, holy.
the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Close your eyes for a moment. Now say Jesus. Say it a little louder. Say it louder still. And God, it's because of Jesus, the only name by which we can come to you, that we lift his name up to you today. We thank you that he is holy. We thank you that holiness has a name and it's Jesus. Victory has a name and it's Jesus. Lord, we're just so thankful that your name is life. And I pray now that you would take charge and do with our lives as you would. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen and amen. Hey, could you say amen for the worship today? Amen. Amen. Man, that is so good. Scott, thank you and the praise team and all the musicians uh, just leading us so well and leading us so faithfully today. Well, good morning, church. Did you drive in or did you swim in today? A little wet outside today. Keeps a few Baptists away, and it's terrible, isn't it? It just seems to to be the truth. But it's so good to see you. Glad that you are here. Hope you've had a good week in the Lord, and that you're learning much about His goodness and His grace and His faithfulness. Uh, That's our word for this year, faithful. And I know that God is faithful, but sometimes He has to do some things to uh, teach us about that faithfulness, right? And that's not always fun. And we've been looking at Elijah and uh, 1 Kings 17. Today we're going to be in 1 Kings. Guess what? Believe it or not, chapter 18. How about that? Chapter 18 today. And uh, here's what I do know. See, we like chapter 18. We like the showdown at Mount Carmel. Because, I mean, there's, there's some power there. There's some, just, there's some things there that you can't explain outside of God. But I want you to hear me clearly today. You can't have the showdown at Mount Carmel until first God sent Elijah to that little brook called Cherith. You understand that? I don't guess you understand that. All right, come on now. Talk to me a little bit. So you, you, you can't have, you just can't have Mount Carmel until God prepares you for Mount Carmel. Now there's a lot of things you may be praying for Popular Springs right now. There may be a lot of things that you want to see God do right now. But can I tell you, that may not be His plan and that may not be His purpose. It could be that God knows you've got to go to Cherith first. And you know, sometimes God, God uh, uh, Job said it this way, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So there are times that God will give you things and there's times that God will take those things away. And He's not doing it because you've been disobedient or bad. or No, it's not that at all. Remember, this was about spiritual boot camp. 
This was about Elijah being prepared for all that God had in store for him. And you remember there's the dry stream, there's a distressed saint, and, and how that God ministered the word to that lady. And, and Elijah just reminded her of what God had already told her. Sometimes that's what you and I need, amen? We just need somebody to remind us what God already told us. And you just have to be reminded of that. And then there was the dead son. And man, if things couldn't get worse, that's about as bad as it's going to get right there. And yet God moved in such a powerful way. And um, just a, a preview of things to come. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but Jesus has already whooped death. He has. Matter of fact, listen to this. I can prove this in the New Testament. Jesus messed up every funeral that he ever went to. You know why? Because death cannot stay where Jesus is. He is the author of life. And so I'm so grateful that we have him today. But I am looking forward to getting into chapter 18. There's a lot to cover. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read just maybe some bits and pieces and uh, just to kind of set the tone. And then I want to walk through that text, okay? And uh, my soul, my soul, I think I've over-prepared again. Well, amen and amen. So if you have a copy of God's Word, let me just say this. If you're a guest today, it's an honor and a joy to have you. And I know we've got some friends down front, Sabrina and Daryl Hodges. We love them. They are precious, precious people, and we love them. So grateful that they are here today. And if you're a guest, it's an honor and a joy to have you. I'm going to ask us all to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. And... Um, Matter, I'm going to try to teach you something while I'm here, okay? So here it is. I'm going to say it again. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. All right, try to say that with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. One more time, and I think you got it. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. And I believe that. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. Look at verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, It is you, you troubler of Israel. And he answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, and who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel, and gathered the prophets together out uh, at Mount Carmel. Look at verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took the twelve stones according to the number of the twelve tribes of sons of Jacob, um, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. 
and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seeds of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and that I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know, O Lord, our God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water. I love how the Bible says that. Just licked it all up, took care of all of it. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the ability and the health and the strength to get up and to be here in this building today. Lord, thank you for this this place that this church gathers every single week. God, thank you for every person that's here today. And God, we are asking that you come and that you speak and that God, you teach us from your word today. Lord, thank you for this incredible text. Thank you that, God, we can know your presence and we can know your power. And God, we we pray that you would have within us, God, this incredible faith that would believe that, God, you could do anything that you want to do. God, that you do have a plan, that you do have a purpose. And and God, there's order in what you do. And so, Lord, maybe today you're going to teach us a little bit more about that order. God, maybe you're going to teach us how important it is to wait. God, maybe you're going to teach us today how important it is to to get a word from you that we can cling to. God, maybe you're going to teach us today the importance of prayer. God, maybe there have been an altar that's been broken down in our own life. And today, God, you're going, to, you're going to see to it that that altar is put back together. God, I believe there's a work that you want to do. And as you do that, we could not help but say the same thing. Lord, you are God. And so, Lord, we trust you for it all today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Well, the showdown at Mount Carmel. It's been in the works for, you know, 42 months. There's been no rain. The ground is dry. The vegetation is all a a uniform brown. And three years earlier, God said to Elijah, go hide yourself. Now, three years later, God is saying, go and show yourself. He has been prepared. He is ready for this assignment from God. I think it's fascinating once he goes to see Ahab that Ahab calls him a troubler. Now, in the Hebrew text, that word troubler means snake. 
So Ahab is calling the man of God a snake. And I love Elijah's response. He answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house. And then he tells him why. Because you've abandoned the commandments of the Lord. And now he's calling for all of Israel to gather together. And listen close to why he does that. Look again at verse 20. So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people did not answer Him a word. I, I want to mention several things this morning. And uh, I need you to put on your listening ears. If I promise to talk fast, will you promise to listen fast? Alright, good. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one is this. Church, where you are right now in this transitional period... You've got to decide to stand up and be counted. You understand? That's what Elijah's doing here. He's saying, hey folks, listen, you've, you've been like an oscillating fan. Y'all know what I'm talking about, an oscillating fan, right? It goes back and forth and back and forth. James said a person that acts like that is a double-minded man and an unstable in all of his ways. Elijah is issuing a challenge to stop being so indecisive. I mean, one of, the, one, of the, one of the dangers of in a transitional period is people just kind of sit on the pew and do absolutely nothing. That's a dangerous time. And I want to encourage you, today is the day that you've got to decide that you are going to stand up and you are going to be counted. Well, Kim, what if I don't get my way? It's never been about you getting your way. This isn't your church. Say, oh, Ken, I liked you until right now. <laughs> See, this is the beautiful thing about being a transitional pastor. I go home and I take me a half baby after and go to sleep. It's not your church. It's God's church. And you know what? You are a part of God's church. Let me ask you a question. Was there a time in your life when you were much more engaged and involved in the work of the gospel than you are now? Are you guilty of a wait and see attitude this morning? Well, we'll go, you know, we'll go. We'll sneak in on Sunday mornings. Probably not going to go to Sunday school very much. Not going to sing in the choir like I used to. Not going to, not going to help do other things that I used to do. We're just going to kind of wait and see what happens. Please don't do that. Today is a day for you to stand up and be counted. Today is the day when you're not going to go back and forth anymore. Some of you may remember, you know, John is on the Isle of Patmos and he's, he, God begins to, 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 to speak a word to him. And there are letters that go to the seven churches at Asia Minor. One of those churches was the church at Laodicea. And the Bible says they were nauseating to God because they were uncommitted. They weren't hot and they weren't cold. 
The Greek word there is tepid. They were just lukewarm. Don't be uncommitted. Church, are you in or are you out? Are you going to walk with God? Are you going to trust Him? Are you willing to move forward and embrace the will of God for the future? And to say nothing is to say no. It's time to stand up and to be counted. Number two, notice this. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal prophets are 450 men. Point number two. You're going to have to be willing sometimes to stand alone. You cannot wait to see what everybody else is going to do. Sometimes you have to make a decision to stand alone when nobody else stands. There's another Old Testament figure. His name was Shema. He was, he was a gardener and he, he, he loved lentils. He, he just served the Lord in the pea patch. And every year, listen, I love having a garden. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Now, I didn't like it when I was growing up. When I was a kid, I hated it. Because this, it's like my dad did all the fun stuff. He planted it and watched it. And then we had to go and get all the stuff. We had to shell the peas. I hated that. And y'all, y'all know what it's like to, for your thumbnails right there to get all sore. You, you, anybody know what I'm talking about? You bunch of city slickers. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Every year the enemy, the Philistines, would come over the ridge and they would invade that piece of property. Now, all of God's people would run. And the Bible gives us a story that one day, Shema is out in the pea patch, and all of a sudden, he looked over, and there they come. And that day, he said, I ain't running anymore. That is it. That is it. And he was the only one. Shema did the hoeing, but God did the showing. And God used one man to whoop a whole army. I'm just telling you, God just needs you. And if each of us had that idea that, God, I will be willing to stand for you and do whatever it takes, even if I have to stand alone, God, I will do it as unto you. If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And all the people do not answer a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, am left a prophet of the Lord. And Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. And let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it to pieces and lay it on the wood. And put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you will call upon the name of the Lord your God, or you will call upon the the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, He is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. That was not a Baptist church, probably for sure right there, right? And so, y'all know some of that story, right? And so it's a fair contest. One, one bull, one altar apiece. Each was to call upon their own God. And the one that answered was going to be the true God. Now remember, Baal was believed to be the God of rain and fertility. 
And surely if he was the God of rain, the one thing he could do is at least strike some lightning. I mean, that would be in his arsenal. And it would have been easy for him to start a fire. But that is not what happened. Verse 26, and they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he's relieving himself. In the original translation, do you know what that means? Maybe your God is using the bathroom. I'm not trying to get gross, but I mean, that's, that's literally, literally what that word phrase means. So here is Elijah mocking 450 prophets of Baal are crying out to an idol. Do you know what the psalmist said about that? Listen to this, Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes and do not see, ears and do not hear, noses and do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet and do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them like them, so do all who trust in them. That is a picture of exactly what's going on right here. 450 prophets of Baal are not enough if you don't have God. But one person with God is enough. Somebody say amen. You may be called along to stand. But God is with you. And over the course of my lifetime, I've discovered something. I had rather have nothing and have God. Because as long as I know if i got God, i got everything. He's trustworthy. And now, he's mocking. Verse 29 says, And at midday past, they raved on until the, to the time of offering and oblation, and there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So they absolutely wore themselves out, and nothing happened. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. And the people came near him. And he repaired the altar that had been thrown down. Third point this morning is this. You might need to rebuild some altars that are broken down. Now church, I don't know quite enough about your history and your context to know exactly what those things may or may not be. So that's why I need you to participate in the listening sessions. So there's some listening sessions that are going to be prepared and they'll be right here on this campus. There's 2 o'clock next week and 3.30 next week. The week after, 2 o'clock, 3.30. I want to talk to you. I want to hear your heart. I, I, I want you to brag on the church for a little bit, but I also want you to share with me what you may be concerned about. I want to know what the church has done well, and I want to know maybe what the church has not done well lately. 
I want to to try to help you discern your current realities and where everything is. But what we may discover, there just may be some things that are broken down. And some things that need to be rebuilt. And that's what you see in Elijah. These 12 stones and the picture of God's faithfulness to His people in this covenant relationship. He builds that altar back. And then the last thing I want you to hear is this. You need to have a God who hears and answers prayer. Now what you heard in in the reading of God's Word earlier is the fact that Elijah made this almost impossible unless God answered it to work. I don't know if you know anything about water and fire. But if I'm going to build a fire pit... And I tell my boys to come over. Say, hey, boys, come on over. We're going to, you know, we're going to, what do you, what do you call those things, Pat? With the marshmallows and the chocolate? S'mores. So we're going to do the s'mores things. I don't care for them, to be honest with you. I just eat the cracker by themselves and I eat the chocolate by themselves. All right? That's how I do it. All right? So, so boys, we're going to come over and have some s'mores. But what if I go out there to the fire pit and I stack some wood out there. And then I say, boys, here's what we're going to do. There's three, there's, there's three five-gallon buckets over there. You, you guys, go, go fill those five-gallon buckets up. And we pour 15 gallons of water on the fire. And then I take a match and start trying to light my fire. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So you understand what Elijah did was to make this absolutely impossible unless God did it. And this I do know. I don't know exactly what the future of this church will be, but I can promise you this. Where you are right now, unless God does it, it won't happen. Now, that's not a slap against you. That's not a slap against your structure. That, I, I don't mean that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. I, I would tell this to any church. Listen, you go to a church that's blowing and going right now. The only reason that it could be blowing and going is if God is doing it. So whatever God is going to do, God has to do it. We're not smart enough. We're not creative enough. And by the way, if we were, it would fall apart one day. How many ministries do you know that are built on a personality? And as soon as that personality is out of the way, so is the structure. You don't, listen, you don't need a church built on the reputation of a pastor. You have a great pastor, but you don't build a church on a pastor. I love, I, I, I love your deacon structure, but you don't build a church on a deacon structure. I love your minister of music with all of my heart. He is just got so much joy and enthusiasm. I love him to death, but you can't build a church on that. Jesus said, I will build my church. So I like it when God presents something that's impossible unless He does it. And then when He does it, guess who gets the glory for it? God does. And so Elijah begins to pray. And I won't take the time because, boy, my time is really gone. And, 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 and 
but, but we need a God who hears and answers prayer. Let me ask you a question. Do you think we serve a God who hears and answers prayer? Absolutely. And the Bible indicates he prayed three things. Number one, he prayed that God would, rec- that God would be recognized as the one true God. That's the first thing he prayed. The second thing, he prayed that people would knew that he was truly God's prophet. And the third thing, he prayed that the heart of the people would turn back to God. Verses 38 and 40 tell us three things. Number one, the fire fell and consumed everything. Number two, the people recognized Jehovah was the one true God. Number three, that the 450 prophets of Baal were executed, done away with. story doesn't stop there so neither is my sermon and if you will give me just about six more minutes I want to show you five things and honestly this is probably the message today what you got a while ago was the introduction here's the real message If you haven't picked up on this yet, one of the central themes in Elijah's life is his prayer life. So church, guess what? I'm going to call you to pray. We got to pray. We got to seek God. I want God to heal our hearts. I want God to heal our land. I want God to do a work in me and a work in you in this transitional period. I want to see God save people. I want to see God add to the church. I want to see you fully functioning and engaged in, the, in, in body life and the gospel. I don't want to see anybody sitting on the sidelines. I want to see everybody engaged. I want to see this church come alive again. I want to see revival. I want to see an awakening. I want to see something only God can do. But it will not happen outside of prayer. So when you begin to look at the latter part of this chapter, look at verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there's a sound of rushing rain. Uh, That just really blew my mind the first time I ever read that. Number one, he just whooped Ahab's crowd. And the first thing he told him was, you you need to go eat. (laughs) That just, I don't know why that's funny to me. That cracks me up. You need to go eat. Get you something to drink. And then he says, because there's the sound of the rushing of rain. Do you, do you remember how important faith is all through chapter 17? Right? Here is the man of God hearing the sound of rain through the ears of faith. Why can he say that? Go back to verse 1. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send what? Rain upon the earth. So God gave him a promise. And now what you see in verse 42 is the man of God claiming God's promise. And how did he do that? He did that on his face before God in prayer. Let me just read this and I'm going to make five quick statements. 
So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of the Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again. Seven times he did that. And at the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the the heavens grew black and the clouds and the wind, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab. Did you catch that? I mean, God was doing some supernatural stuff. And here is one man on a chariot getting down the road, and God let Elijah outrun him by foot. There's five things I want you to see. Number one, and you need to do the same thing. Number one, separate yourself. Elijah separated himself. Now, you may not go to the top of Mount Carmel, but you need a place of retreat. You need to find a place, a solitary, a solitary place that you are free from distractions and that you can listen to the voice of God. I know y'all talk to each other a lot around here, don't you? Don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I've been in ministry for 41 years. I've been a part of Baptist churches all my life. I know how Baptists act because I are one. And Baptists talk. You can telephone, telegraph, or telebaptist. Amen? That's just the way it works. But sometimes you don't need to be on the phone. Sometimes you don't need to be texting. Sometimes you don't need to be asking questions on Facebook. What you and I need to do is find a place to get alone with God. Nothing wrong with talking to each other. But not in the absence of being with Him. Get along with God. Number two, look how He humbled Himself. He, he bows down. There's this, there's this posture of humility. He's bowing Himself before a righteous, holy God. Number three, he's confident and he's specific. What did he pray for? What did he pray for? Rain. What did God promise him? What was the greatest need? What did he pray for? You know what God showed me one time in my life? God showed me one time in my own personal walk that I was so general in my prayers that I wouldn't even know if God had answered them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to unpack something God taught me. Lord, if it's your will, that's not a bad thing to pray, amen? But if God's already told you something, that ain't what you need to be praying. When's the last time you just point blank said, God, this is, I mean, you just put it down. You prayed. Specific. Number four, he prayed persistently, fervently. 
Lord, would you send the rain? Hey, go look see if there's any rain. Nope, there ain't no rain coming. How many times did he do that? Seven times. How many times did he pray for the widow's son to be raised up from the dead? Three times, that's right. All I'm saying is this. Is that how you pray? How do you handle it when answers don't come immediately? Do you give up? Do you quit praying? Does it cause your faith to waver? I don't know if this is true for you, but it certainly is true for me. Waiting can be hard. And the older I get, the more impatient I've become. That's a fact, isn't it, Pat? And then I've noticed our parents are more impatient now than they've ever been in their life. I was with my dad a few weeks ago. And before he, before he had his wreck, he went to rehab. And I'm with him. I said, Dad, don't you think we better stop and get you a few groceries? And he said, well, yeah, let's stop and get a few groceries. So we stopped at Walmart. And, but, but, and he put about maybe eight or nine things in that little buggy, you know. And, and so, but then I saw something in his eyes. And I thought, what is he looking at so sternly? And, and it dawned on me. It was the line. I mean, there, there were probably only a thousand people in Walmart at the time. And only two registers were working. Anybody feel that? And my dad just said, walked away from his buggy. And I said, no, dad, you can't do it. He said, well, incredibly, imp- he was willing to walk away because he didn't want to wait. How many times have you walked away from what God wanted for you only because you wouldn't wait? Elijah was willing to wait and he kept praying. He kept believing. Why? Because he knew that God had already told him he was going to send rain. The last thing he was expectant. And then there's that hand-sized cloud rising up from the Mediterranean Sea. And the Bible says it came, man, it was pouring. That whole story just encourages the daylights out of me. What are you trusting God for? Has God give you a promise for you? Has God give you a promise for Poplar Springs? Are you willing to let God do whatever God needs to do to watch that promise come to pass? Are you willing to stand alone? Are you willing to be counted? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to be steadfast? Are you willing to say, God, I'm not going to budge. You've given me a word out of your word and I'm going to claim that word. I'm going to pray that word. I'm going to believe that word until that word comes to pass. That's what I'm praying for you, church. That's what I'm praying for you. So, Ken, how do you get a word? I'll tell you how you get a word. You get a word because you've got to get in the Bible. If you get in the Bible, I promise the Bible will get into you. God will always confirm His will through His Word. And maybe today that's what you need to do. God, give me a word. Maybe God already gave you a word. 
And God's trying to teach you to be patient. <laughs> and God's trying to teach you to wait upon Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. I can't tell you how many times in my own life I've had to wait. And sometimes you, 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 you know, in the waiting, you feel like there's no guarantee. But yet you, there's something in you that's it's called faith, right? That you believe. It hadn't happened, but you believe it's going to happen. And you, 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 faith. You want to see the power of God move? Have. Lord, today we come before you. And God, I thank you and I praise you for your word and the power of your word. Lord, I do believe that the assignment for my life is to be here in the season of Popper Springs life. And that God, you are you're bringing us together. That that God, we're gonna learn what the current realities are and kind of see where we are and where you want us to go. But God, I'm asking you today, would you give the people here a word from yourself? A word that they can trust, a word that they can believe, a word, God, that it may seem impossible, but yet, God, it is your word, it's your heart, it's your desire. And I pray that you would just give us a disposition like Elijah to believe and to trust and God, let you do whatever you got to do to teach us the truths of that Word. And there may be times that we have to hide ourselves, and there's times, God, you're going to tell us it's time to go. And God, we're going to trust you. And we're going to stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. God, we will watch you do the impossible. And so, Lord, today, would you just call somebody to just act upon faith today, to ask you for a word and to believe you for that word, to pray, to seek your face. God, would you teach us in this season what it really means to pray and to seek your face and to watch you answer prayer. Lord, we commit this to you today. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we just kind of just sing together today. Now, Brother Scott, you just come and lead us. Trust Him. Let God be God in you today.
as you're leaving today, uh, our men will be at the door to receive offering. There's also the black boxes on the way out to the portico. Don't forget, uh, Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights are going great. You need to come. There's a sign-up sheet so that you can uh, sign up to eat. Um, now, if you don't sign up, don't eat because the music guy needs more food. And so, but if you want to eat, sign up back there, and that would be a great thing. Or call the office before Tuesday, uh, so that we can get an accurate count of how many to prepare for. And uh, several studies going on. Hope you'll plug in and be a part of that. I was asked before we came in this morning to, if we could just have a moment of prayer um, for our country, and if we could pray also for what's going on in. Ukraine, there's been a lot of uh, saber rattling and there's been talk of nuclear weapons this morning on some news. And um, let me ask you, do you think there's anything going on that God doesn't know about? No. And since there's nothing he doesn't know about, don't you think that he's the one we should be talking to about? So let's talk to him as we leave today. Father, How grateful we are to have been here in your house to hear your word proclaimed by your servant to call us all to faith and to prayer. Lord, to get your word into us so that that's what comes out when we need it. Lord, we need for you to come out in a strong way in our country. All kind of mess going on here. And Lord, we all have an opinion on what it is and Probably how to fix it. But you alone have the answers. You alone. Lord, the world is seemingly on the precipice of destruction. You know all about that too. So we lift it up to you. We lift Ukraine up to you. All those who are making decisions. All the things that we hear, I pray that we will not fear, but trust in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we can come to you when... Our lives are rattled. We love you that we can come to you when things are great. Lord, we just love you because of who you are and because of who you are in us. I pray that you would dismiss us with your peace now in Jesus' name.